Thank you for joining us here at South Suburban Christian Church for our online service. We're excited that you're here. You'll notice that I'm dressed a little bit different today. We are in the middle of our Rocky Railway um, uh, uh, Vacation Bible School. And if you look around, you can see that uh, the uh, sets for our Vacation Bible School are still up. We just uh, had 120-some kids just leave uh, the Sanctuary Worship Center, and uh, we're coming to you to record this uh, that afternoon. So we're a little, you know, loopy and tired and excited and all the things that come with Vacation Bible School. But it has been an amazing week. We have been blessed. We are excited. Over 70 volunteers, 120 uh, kids or so. And uh, we're grateful for what God is doing here. Uh, this coming uh, 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 Sunday, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. This coming Sunday, we'll be having our in-person uh, 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 celebration. And so we're looking forward to being uh, welcoming those families who choose to come. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time uh, here online, we're grateful that you are here today. And thank you for coming as well. We're in the middle of a series following the same uh, uh, lessons that our kids have been looking at and studying in our uh, uh, Vacation Bible School. So today we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 28. And actually, the uh, text that they've been looking at, uh, which ironically is today, here this morning, on the day we're recording it, uh, starts way back in Matthew 26 and goes all the way to the end of the Gospel. So really, uh, what they have learned is that whole final three days of, of the life of Jesus uh, and his resurrection. So from Maundy Thursday, when Jesus celebrates the Lord's Supper with his disciples through the crucifixion and the, the, the importance and centrality of the cross, and then into Matthew 28 with the resurrection. They actually, be, they actually end it with Matthew chapter 28, verse 10. And I'd like to pick up with Matthew 28, verse 11. So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's look at that together as uh, we discern uh, uh, God's Word together. So, uh, verse 11 of chapter 28. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest that, that all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May he add his blessings and his understanding to it. Amen. If you sent your kids to vacation Bible school this week, or your grandchildren, or your nieces, your nephews, your neighborhood kids that uh, you have connected with, 
let me take this opportunity to thank you. I want to thank you for trusting us. Thank you for inviting us into your life, for the supreme honor to show love for your children. I mean, I stood at the door almost every morning welcoming folks, and I watched as many of you uh, brought your children to this place so that they could hear the gospel. God bless you, Mom. God bless you, Dad. God bless you, grandparent, uh, aunt, uncle, neighbor, babysitter. Even some brothers and sisters were, were bringing their younger siblings. Thank you. God bless you that you invited us to walk with your child through this week. And we pray that we shared with your child the most amazing story that they will ever hear and that we shared it with them faithfully. I want to share with you, too, something that is absolutely terrifying to me. <laughs> I know that somewhere around 70% of the children who came and spent the week uh, here at South Sub Church have no connection with this congregation. I want to share with you briefly about this church, if you would allow me. The mission of this congregation is to bring people to Jesus Christ and together become passionate followers of Him. That's our mission statement. We want to pattern our life, our faith, as closely as we can to the Bible. Now, we're not perfect. We don't always get it right. And we often fall short of what Christ calls His church to be and to do. If you don't believe me, we've probably got a few emails still laying around that uh, can easily prove what I'm saying to you. Folks have from time to time reminded us how we messed up. And we're grateful for that so that we can be better and do better. But as the primary preaching pastor here at South Sub Church, just one part of an amazing and talented staff, all who love Jesus and want to be used for the glory of God, just as one part of, of a congregational eldership and deacons of both men and women who serve, who love, who pray for those who call this place home or find their uh, uh, place in this uh, place just for a few moments as they are walking in their journey with God. As just one part of a congregation of baptized believers who study God's Word and are growing in grace and knowledge, folks who serve with our food drives, our blood drives, who serve the poor with love in the name of Christ, one of our local partner agencies, immigrants with North Littleton Promise, folks who go on to uh, mission at places like Port Arthur, Texas, and uh, Puerto Rico. Those places where people's lives were devastated by natural disaster. You know, each week when I sit down and prepare a message where I assume I might have one chance, just one chance, to tell someone about what God has done and what God is doing in their life today. One opportunity to share the gospel. That word gospel literally means the good news. Now, I, I know that that word kind of gets thrown around a lot. Everybody's talking about this is the gospel, that is the gospel. I mean, in the church world, that word has been used so much that folks don't even know what it means anymore. It can basically be a, a word we use about anything that's good. I get a good feeling. There's the gospel. It's kind of lost its meaning. So I want to share with you a couple of points today as we think about this together. The same, not only the same focus that your kids had on this day uh, during Vacation Bible School, but also 
a word that we want to share with you as you seek to live into the fullness of what God has called you to be as a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a spiritual parent uh, for children that might be in your neighborhood. And that's this. Point one, the gospel is about Jesus. Period. The gospel is the proclamation of the person and work of Jesus Christ and how the benefits of that work is appropriated to us by faith and faith alone. It is the message about Jesus. That's what the gospel is. Now, when I tell you about Jesus, it's an amazing story, but it's also terrifying. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some pretty awesome benefits that come from a life of faith. How Uh, how our life changes after we've received the gospel, but our life changing the, the blessings, that's not the gospel. If I tell you that if you come to Jesus, you can have peace in your life, you can have meaning in your life, all of that's true, but that isn't the gospel. In the New Testament, the gospel is always, always, always focused on Jesus Christ who he is, what he did, and how we receive his benefits. So we here at South Sub Church want to ensure that the ministries and the programs that we do, things like Vacation Bible School, are effective and supportive. Now notice what I said there, that, that I want, that, that we want VBS to support what you are doing for your children. We don't want you to simply drop off your children and expect that after one week we're going to return to you nice little perfect children who clean their rooms and obey you in all things quickly and cheerfully. Now, it's not that I don't hope that that happens for you, but frankly, that's not a goal that we will ever attain. To expect the church to prepare your child for a life of faith and just the time that we have your children is like expecting that if I go to the gym for one hour a week, I'll be able to successfully compete in the Olympics. It doesn't work that way. Now, we've been doing a series over the past five weeks following the same scriptures that we shared with your children this past week. And on Thursday, the day we're recording this, we shared the gospel with your children. We shared Jesus with your children. My second point that I want to share with you today is is the people we can share the gospel with first is our family. The passage that we read today is almost always connected with the gospel. It's called the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have commanded, and behold, I will be with you always. That text is called the Great Commission. It is about sharing the gospel throughout the world. It's about telling people about Jesus Christ. It's about inviting people to follow Jesus Christ, and together we become passionate followers of Him. Remember that? I said that just a little bit ago. That's our mission here at South Sub Church. You're probably not surprised to hear that. I mean, frankly, most churches would say that that is their mission as well. It 
doesn't matter what the church calls itself or what the name is on the front sign of the church. But as a pastor, one of the things that always worries me is that folks, even in the church, will think that that work of sharing the gospel is somehow my job and only my job or the job of our staff or the job of our lay leaders or even our job as the church. And although it is, it isn't only our job. Now, now when folks hear me talk about sharing the gospel, a lot of people have certain images that come to their mind. Um, me preaching, our worship ministry and worship teams, leading the church in song, our outreach ministries where we are working with uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, folks in our neighborhoods, uh, uh, local partner mission agencies, other congregations serving the poor, uh, things like Vacation Bible School. People might think about that, that that's a forum through which we share the gospel. Most folks probably think about uh, pushing our live stream messages out to people like you and those who are joining us today is a way that we share the gospel. And, and, and all that's true, and, and, and I'm not saying any of that's bad. As a matter of fact, I, I was the kind of guy that way back in the early years of my ministry, I was the kind of preacher that was out on the street preaching, handing out little paper brochures or tracts that sought to explain why and how people could accept Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I remember standing on a milk crate in the middle of Chinatown in Washington, D.C., preaching a sermon. We don't hear about that, and frankly, that method quite really is not as successful as one might think it is. But here's the thing. When I read the Bible about what it means to share the faith a completely different model begins to emerge. One that does really work. And one that we need your help with. And one in which we want to be a resource and help to you. Let me share with you some examples as we kind of put this point together. In John chapter 1, verse 41, we read about how Andrew introduced his brother, Simon Peter to Jesus. And this is the Simon Peter, the great Saint Peter, who is the most vocal and supportive disciple Jesus ever had. In Luke, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 4, verses 38 to 40, we read about how Peter introduced his mother-in-law to Jesus. How about that for an idea? Introducing our in-laws to Christ. In Matthew 4, 21, we read about how another two of Jesus' disciples were also brothers, James and John, whom Jesus affectionately named the sons of thunder. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48, we read about a man named Cornelius, who when he came to believe, his whole family was also saved and baptized together. In Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 40, we read a similar story to the Cornelius story, where this time a jailer in the city of Philippi, along with his whole, you guessed it, family, is converted as well. And one of my favorite in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and Paul praises Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois and, Lois and Eunice, for raising Timothy in the faith. My mother brought me to church while I was still in the womb. 
I can relate to Timothy. I've always been a believer. I'm the guy who went to church every Sunday. Even when I was in college, I would get up and go to church. When I worked night shift, I would get up and go to church. It was just something I always wanted to do. But do you know who had the most influence on how I have come to relate to God? My father. Now, I've shared with you before about how my mother taught me the faith, how she taught me the Bible, how she formed my character. Um, uh, but, but, but all of the good and the bad parts that I have learned about God were in large part because of my relationship with my dad. Not what he taught me verbally or the conversations we had about matters of faith or about Bible stories, although I've never really ever forgotten those talks. But I have found myself understanding my relationship with God much in the same way as my relationship was with my father. You see, with my dad, he was always pushing me to be, to be better. I guess a lot of dads do that, don't they? If I hit this level, my dad would come along and say, that's a good job now. Can you hit this level, son? And man, I'd come back and I'd push it up again and I thought I would get accolades, and he'd say, that, that's good, son. Now, now, can we hit this level? You know, uh, that mindset really has plagued me most of my adult life, and particularly in my relationship with God. Now, I, I know what the Bible says. I know that my justification before God through Christ isn't because of my effort, but I've always been haunted by this question. Is God truly happy with my efforts, my results, or is he disappointed in me? Does God think I could have done just a little bit better? You see, it wasn't the talks my father and I had about matters of faith that formed me in this way. It was how we interacted on all of the, quote, other things, the other stuff in life that formed me. I mean, it could be working on a car, tuning a carburetor, or it could be when I got a B plus and my dad would say, well, can we hit an A minus? I'm not angry at my father. My dad is my hero. I'm not blaming him for those moments of uncertainty with God. This isn't some release of, gee whiz, how horrible I had it when I could never make my dad happy. Probably 90% of us out here have had similar experiences. The truth is, is I know what my earthly father was trying to do, and without a shadow of a doubt, I know that he loved me. He wanted me to be the best that I could be. But what I'm trying to say in sharing that story and sharing that memory with you is, is that dads, moms, how you engage with your children forms them. Their relationship with God the Father will be influenced with the relationships that they have with you. Remember when I said there was some stuff that was terrifying? This is what's terrifying. You know, survey after survey has proven that the number one influence in a child's life is their parents. And in those studies, <clears throat> the same survey was given to the parents, and most parents put themselves, are you ready? Last in the lineup of influences on their children, way behind things like friends and teachers and the media. 
But when the youth answer the same question, they place their parents first. Parents before extended family. Parents before friends. Parents before teachers. Parents before activities and clubs. And research has shown that the three things parents can do to protect their children from risky behavior is bonding, boundaries, and monitoring. The stronger the relationship between parents and the children, the more they will not want to disappoint the parent. Eating dinner together as a family has a significant impact on protecting children from risky behavior. If you're worried about your children, then the best thing that you could do is just simply start having dinner as a family around the table. Oh, pastor, but you don't understand my schedule. I know. Trust me. I'm just telling you. Listening to children strengthens the bond between parent and child. Working together, playing together, create family closeness. Boundaries are set when parents set clear family rules on behaviors. Things like no alcohol or no drugs. And although success in life is important, the most important thing you can do as a parent, something that has eternal consequences, is to share the faith with them. Lead them to Christ. The number one perimeter of influence that all of us are called to share our faith with is our family, our children. As a father, I have the great opportunity, the great responsibility to influence my children with the gospel. Terrifying. And that influence extends to my extended family as well, my friends even. Jesus calls you to go out into your world. You don't need to go to a far-off land or another continent. Your world is your family. Go into that world and share the gospel. Preach a revival is what we might think. No. Baptize your children. Do those things that builds a relationship. Ensure your child knows and understands. Walk with them through moments of uncertainty and confusion. Teach your children. That's something that takes time. Repetition. A life commitment. And, and what I've just shared with you is a great commission. With your world, your family. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you, Jesus says. The other night at dinner, my daughter was asking about some challenge that she was struggling with, and I told her that the best way to meet challenges in life is to live around the discipline and practice of prayer. She looked at me and she said, well, isn't that what monks do? And I said, it's what we are all called to do. The work of sharing the gospel, the work of a life disciplined by prayer, isn't just for certain people, evangelists or monks or pastors or elders, but it's for all of us. Now I pray that as I'm sharing these words with you that the Holy Spirit is working on you right now. 
making you uncomfortable, <laughs> making you think. And you might be saying, yep, I understand, Pastor. I see that this is my responsibility, but I can't do it. Well, listen, you are not alone. And that's why we're here, to help, to resource you, to walk with you, to encourage you. Listen, if anyone knows about messing up and dropping the ball, it's the local church. But this new way of life begins with you. It begins with your heart and your mind. And so I ask, where are you today? The gospel is about Jesus Christ. When God created all things, it was perfect. And he gave to humanity free will. And we chose to be our own gods. We rebelled. And all of creation and our very being is corrupted. The Bible says that we can do no good, not one of us. The Bible says that if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. Because of God's justice, that rebellion needs to be punished. But because God is also merciful, His very nature needs to forgive us. And the only way that both of those things could happen is if Jesus Christ, the Son of God and God the Son, came and accepted the weight and burden of our sin and our brokenness on the cross at Calvary. And He received the punishment for my sin. And yet, at the same time, that wasn't the end of the story. For our derailed series, it wasn't the end of the line. Because on the third day He arose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And He invites you, He invites all of us come into relationship with him to receive him as your lord and savior to begin a life anew to be born again that is the good news if you are making that decision today if you can say yes to this question do you believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god would you, if you're on our online.church platform, click on that button that you've received Christ. Allow us to follow up with you. If you're saying, I'm not quite ready for that, Pastor, on our webpage at southsuburban.com, there is a little box that says uh, next steps. You can click on that, and one of the elders and I walk you through a process of, of how we might look at this new life Christ is offering to us. Whatever method you choose, I pray that you'll begin a new life of faith today. And if you're a mom or if you're a dad, know that I'm praying for you. It's one of the hardest jobs on the planet, one of the most terrifying jobs on the planet. But let us help you. Let's do it together because I need your help too. By God's grace and for his glory. Amen.